0: This morning, our text will be found in verses 11 through 17. Good morning. God has blessed us yet once again in his grace with a beautiful, beautiful day. I was thinking about it. We were singing that song earlier. We don't belong here. This is not our home. I thought if what if it's like somebody just walked in and we're clapping our hands. We don't stay here real long. We're moving through. Is that just a weird wild concept, and it is absolutely perfectly true and wonderful to know that this isn't all there is. What a wonderful thought and idea because of that. Because God reigns, as we just sang, that's why we have the hope and how we have the hope that we're just passing through here, and we want to be faithful as we are passing through. Lord, I thank you for your ministry to our hearts this morning. Um, We are always delighted by your offering to the Lord and we get to be a part of that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. We have a lot here in our text today. I am excited about it, but it's tough. It's tough in some respects, but by God's grace, he gives to us his spirit to help us learn and grow. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we come before you and we are... We are humbled and we are in awe of you. Of the fact that you reign over everything. Lord, the beauty of the sunrise this morning. And the new life that is coming on trees and flowers that are bursting out of the grounds. After a long and a hard and a cold winter, Lord. It's just a reminder of your perfect plan and design. And Lord, the, the delight... The delight that, that is in you by allowing us to enjoy the beauty of your creation and your handiwork, the design, the evidence of who you are everywhere. Father, we gather this morning in your house on a beautiful day to lift our voices, but also as we lift our voices, we bow our heads and our hearts to your authority. We are so grateful. I am so grateful for your word. God, as we learn from it now, as we carefully unpack the truth, may your spirit work amongst us. May we understand the day and the time that we live in. May we understand the urgency of this very moment. May we, Lord, look to you first and foremost, but look to others around us to express the love and the care and the grace that you have shown to us. Lord, guard my lips from saying anything that would not bring glory and honor to the name of Jesus, and may you quicken our hearts to learn more of you today. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen and amen. Amen. Have you ever um, been out somewhere and you walk back to your car and you have that bright orange envelope, Underneath the windshield wiper right there, this has never happened to anyone here. I don't know why, but I get parking tickets all the time, to be honest. And I put the money in, it just, it goes, time goes really quick. I hate parking tickets. And yet, as I visit, in all honesty, I visit a lot, almost every major city in the United States. I think I've got a parking ticket in almost every major city in the entire United States. I don't think there's a city that is any worse than New York City for parking. If you've ever been there before, I remember last summer we were there as a family. They actually took our car, they parked it for us, and they parked it free high. They stacked them. They had lifts. We were like number three of four. Uh, New York City has a horrible traffic parking problem, and they did a, a study. Listen to this. The New York City Department of Transportation was embarrassed after they concluded their study, they discovered that four of the top 10 parking violators in the department were those people that were responsible to ticket illegally parked vehicles. The computer actually revealed, get this, that, that the four staff members owed between 5000 and $8,000 each in back parking tickets What do we have here? We have a department that couldn't live up to its own principles, to its own standards. Do you realize that in many of the same ways, the exact same problem, and it's true of the church oftentimes. There's, There's a lot of talk that goes around churches. There's a lot of... Uh, of language that is used, spiritual verbiage and Christian words, evangelical, orthodox lingo and language and jargon. We're constantly using terms like evangelism and discipleship and substitutionary atonement and propitiation and sanctification and justification, and holiness and forgiveness grace and patience and mercy. There's a lot of talk that goes on in churches that we are to live like this and do this and believe this and say this. No doubt they are important. They are necessary foundational terms. The subject I'm going to address this morning is a little bit of a different different path. Rather than, than talking the talk this morning... I'm going to emphasize the importance for all of us to walk the walk. I know it's not entirely original to hear that phrase, but please understand first and foremost, the striving for us to live in such a way that is commanded clearly in Scripture to walk the walk, to live holy and righteous, first and foremost has nothing to do with you or those around us. First and foremost, it has to do with the glory of God. In our pursuit of holiness, first and foremost, bigger than anything else. We do this not for ourselves, not even for those around us, but first and foremost for the glory of God. We saw this a couple weeks ago when Kenny preached from chapter 2 and verses 4 and 5. And I quote, "...as you come to him a living stone..." Rejected by men, built, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. What are those spiritual sacrifices? We live, we are being built up to offer spiritual sacrifices. Paul refers to those in Romans chapter 12, what? As by the mercies of God, you present your, your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. So we are reminded as we kind of commence this message and look into this text, holy living is not for salvation. Holy living comes as a result of salvation. Holy living is not for you and I to appear righteous before God. Holy living is because He is righteous. Holy living offers to us, as we will see in our text this morning, a beautiful, and I don't like the term, it's a, it's a byproduct, it's a blessing. I think blessing is a better term. Holy living offers to us a blessing that God in His grace grants us as we live in a world that is completely hostile to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's our text, 1 Peter chapter 2. We pick it up in verse 11. Read down through verse 17. Beloved, beloved, I urge you, as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. And honor the emperor. What we oftentimes do is we extract between 11 and 17, there's one big idea. There's a key phrase that is found here. It's in verse 15. Here's really what drives this text. By doing good, by living holy, by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. That's what this text is speaking about first and foremost. Now this word silence is often used to speak of of muzzling an animal. So think of this. You and I, Living near, living alongside, working alongside, regularly communicating with people or a person who is a known adversary of the gospel. The Bible actually refers to someone who is an adversary of the gospel of Jesus Christ as foolish and ignorant people. There are individuals who know the truth and they are willfully disobedient to the word and the will of God. That you, living holy, actually reduce them to silence. Think of it like this. Through your constant pursuit, your daily pursuit of holiness, it is as if you are literally taking accusations out of their mouth. They have nothing to say. Simply put, Peter is saying this, the very best way, the best way to silence foolish people, attackers of the gospel, critics, skeptics, is not by what you say, it is by what you do. Peter is saying the best way to silence those who attack the gospel of Jesus Christ is not by what you say, it's by what you do now wait a minute didn't we just learn last week what did it say in scripture that we are to proclaim the proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into the light that means to speak that means to say it that means did we just talk about that yes we did but remember we always look at what the totality of scripture we compare scripture with scripture very next chapter 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, it says what? Be prepared to make a defense or give an answer to anyone who asks a question for the hope that is in you. What does this mean? As we maneuver our way through this world, we are never to kick the door open and force feed people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We never do that. We are to live in such a way that they ask, and according to scripture, they will ask. We are to live in such a way that they come to you. Yes, we are to go to them, but they will still come to you and they will ask you. It doesn't mean that we sit silent and and never say or do anything. We are to continually strive to have relational intentionality to share Christ, but we also uh, are to show Christ. There's a lot in these few verses here. And so what I've decided to do today is, is divide the text into two parts. So we'll have Walk the Walk Part 1 today and Walk the Walk Part 2 next week. Today we're going to look specifically at just verses 11 and 12. First point I want to give you this morning, you can write this down and remember it. You'll need to remember it. We are to walk the walk by knowing a very real war exists between the flesh and the soul. Okay, how do we do this thing? How do we walk the walk? How do we do what God has called us to do? First of all, understand this. Know this. You are going to war. A very real war exists between the flesh and the soul. Peter begins with this. I urge you, some translations read, I beg you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which war against the soul. Remember when I started this series I told you one of the things I love so much about Peter is that he he has no one to impress other than the Lord himself. He's not really penning in order to like draw people to him. He just says it. He just he's like many of you. He just he has something here and he just says it. He, he's not afraid to, to speak the truth. He, he in, in my world, I would say, you know what? He's not afraid to call a, a, a ball a ball or a strike or a strike. He's not intimidated in any way. It begins with this, what? I urge you. I beg you. It's, it's almost as if he is leaning in with every single ounce of his energy beg you. I want you to hear this. I want you to know this. There is something sincere, important, urgent. There's something that's pressing. There's a warning here. I beg you as sojourners and exiles. This is a common phrase that is used to describe Christians as a constant reminder. What? We sang it. We clapped it. This is not our home. We don't belong here. You're just moving through. Don't get too comfortable here. This is not your heavenly home. I always think about the fact that as individuals who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ in amazing privilege, there is also a cost And the cost is what? You will live your entire life as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ in a society that you don't fit in. You will live your whole life in a culture that you swim against. Remember years ago, I've referred to this before. I don't know if it was Sesame Street or the electric company. Which one of these things does not belong here? And it was always like they cut the screen, the toothbrush, the toothpaste, the dental floss, and the sledgehammer. Which one of these things does not? And you're like, I don't know, Mom. I think I know, but I'm not sure. You're the sledgehammer. You don't fit. You don't belong here. You're just moving through. That's, that's who we are. We're sojourners. We're exiles. That's why the Apostle John wrote it like this in 1 John chapter 2. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. That's perfectly honest as a pastor who attempts to to spend time with and to know and to learn as we are constantly reminded in Scripture to pursue holy living. My fear is that there's too many people who call themselves followers of the Lord Jesus Christ and you love the things in this world more than you love the God who sent His own Son to die for you. And there's a heavy weight right there. God's word says, love not the things in this world. Love not the world. Why? Because you're just just moving through and we're moving rapidly through. I urge you, I beg you as sojourners and exiles, the word is what? To abstain. What does this word mean? It means literally to refrain from something voluntarily. To abstain from something, I'm not going to even go there. It means to stay away from something. It means to stop doing something willingly. The Greek word has the idea of holding oneself away from. Peter goes on to describe what we are to abstain from. Hold on here. He says... You're to abstain from the passions of the flesh. Some translation says the the fleshly lusts. Weymouth translates it very, very graphically. Restrain the cravings of your lower natures. It's pretty obvious what they're speaking about here. It's a direct reference speaking about anything that is in your life that you can lust after. Now think about that long list. How, how do we do this? This is, this is tough today because our fleshly lusts are inside of us. And it is especially tough today because we live in a pornographic society, in a society where lust are constantly and continually put before your eyes. Television, advertisements, and pop-up ads, and even billboards driving down the road. Huge challenge. Amazingly difficult, but it is possible through the work of the Holy Spirit to have victory. Now please understand that the passions of the flesh does not only or strictly mean sexual immorality. It certainly is a part of it. There is a reference here to anything that is a strong craving of our fallen nature. The Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 5 gives a very specific list. I preached on this back in November. I'm sure that all of you remember very, very quickly. Galatians chapter 5 verses 19 says this, now the works of the flesh... Here it is. Here's what, here's what Peter's referencing here. Now, the works of the flesh are evidence. They're obvious. Sexual immorality. At the top of the list. Impurities. Sensualities. Idolatry. Sorcery. Enmity. Strife. Jealousy. Fits of anger. Rivalries. Dissensions. Divisions. Envy. Drunkenness. Orgies and things like these? Paul writes, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, that's, that's pretty clear. It's pretty obvious. Those who are continually, continually living and caving towards, not fighting, not running from, not abstaining, not holding yourself from, But just collapsing into that, they're not ones who are following the Lord Jesus Christ. Now think of it like this. If we are to stop craving, we're instructed to abstain, to stay away from, we're to stop doing that, but yet the craving actually exists inside of us. Okay, what what does that create? Okay, stop doing that, but it's inside of us It creates, obviously, some kind of a push and a pull, a struggle, or a battle, or what is the word that Peter uses? A war exists inside of you. Peter, understandably and literally, describes it as a war against your soul. There is a state of war that exists. There is a state of war that is to be declared in the life of, of a follower of Jesus Christ, we declare war in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and through the power of the Holy Spirit against that which, wars, which, which which exists within. Now think about this concept for a moment of war. Since the very creation of man, creation, excuse me, the fall of man, in Genesis chapter three, Cain kills Abel shortly thereafter. Since that very time, there has been conflict. There has been war that exists. War is what? War is dangerous. War is is treacherous. War is insidious. It is bloody. It is ugly. But let me tell you this, it is also necessary. Read our history books and understand the pain of war that our founding fathers went through as we shook off the tyranny of Chains that were placed upon us years ago. Read about and understand the darkness of the Civil War. Read about, ask your own fathers or grandfathers, those who have fought in World War II or Korea or Vietnam or Iraq or Afghanistan. Read about the cost of war. Because we understand the cost of war, we always have to understand the freedom that, that often comes as a result of war. And like any war, it is hard. Our body, the flesh of our bodies, the desires of our flesh are in a raging battle against our soul. John Piper describes and defines soul as the invisible invisible dimension of our life that we are by nature. It's that part of us that God has created that lives forever and ever. It's eternal. God is calling us to know that a war exists, it's going to exist. And he's calling us in this state to have a disciplined approach to our lives. You don't go to war unless you've been trained. You don't go to war unless you know exactly what your job is. You don't go to war by yourself. We see very clearly in Scripture, okay, we're in this idea of war. It's raging. There's this conflict, this, this push and pull every day. How do we do this? I love the truth of Scripture. and says very clear in Ephesians chapter 5, by what? Walking in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. And you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. It lists it very specifically. Which is a daily, daily surrender. It is is a pleading for the Holy Spirit to fill you, knowing that you've confessed your sins, knowing that as a Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, He exists and abides inside, and He gives to us that which is necessary to fill us up and give us victory so we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Okay, so how how are we to be filled? How do we do that? If we were to look at Paul's message, moving from Ephesians 5 to Ephesians 6, it says what? Be strong in the Lord's. Which means you don't have the strength. You don't have the ability to win this thing in and of yourself. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And I love this. Put on the whole armor of God. That you'll be able to stand against the schemes or the wiles, the old King James says, of the devil. So just as you get up every morning and you get dressed, you would, dare, you, you, you would never dare to, to run outside without getting dressed physically. And yet we run outside without getting dressed spiritually all the time. We become a, accustomed to praying. You put on the helmet of salvation. It begins here. Our minds. Breastplate of righteousness. God, I'm dressing myself. My loins skirt about with truth. My... Feet shod with the message of the gospel. You take the shield of faith. It's going to be an element of what the unknown you're going to, you're going to face every day. And I love this. And above all, you take the sword of the spirits to which we do battle with. So we understand how do we walk the walk? First of all, by knowing there's a very war, real war that exists. Secondly, we walk the walk by trusting the work of Christ to give us victory in this war. That's how we're going to move forward. Not what you can do, not who you are. Walk the walk by trusting the work of Christ to give us victory in this war. Unfortunately, today we live in a very lackadaisical age where it seems to be anything goes. Many people, many Christians, have a hard time understanding Yes, we go to church. Yeah, we read the Bible on occasion. And I did pray before I ate. What's the big deal? The, 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 big, the big deal is, is you are obedient to this word or you're not. That's the big deal. There's not a lot of ways to parse that. The big deal is What? You know that a war has already been won by the Lord Jesus Christ. You know that He cried out on the cross, It is finished. You know that. Or you don't. That's the big deal. One or the other. The big deal very clearly is what? You trust in the complete work of the Lord Jesus Christ, who defeated the enemy who took our punishment, who bore, what? The wrath that we deserved. Who died on the cross and rose again. The big deal is what? You believe that or you don't. The big deal is you identify with the Lord Jesus Christ or you don't. The big deal is you know you can give thanks to God who gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ or you don't. It's one or the other. This is not complicated. I've been reading my quiet time, the book of Deuteronomy, and 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 such excellent practical wisdom. Basically, Deuteronomy is a long message, a long message that Moses preached right at the end, okay, of his time in the wilderness before they cross, before Joshua takes them into the promised land. And he challenges the listeners. I can't read to all. Let me read to you a couple of portions from verse 1 and verse 2 and verse 6. Moses is standing before these people who have been with him. Two million people wandering in the desert 40 plus years. Listen, He says, Listen to the statutes and the rules that I'm teaching you and do them. He says, Later, he says, Keep them. And he repeats it and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples. For what great nation is there that has a has a for, for what a great nation is there that has a god, lowercase, so near as it is the Lord or Yahweh, our God, who is to us? He says, "There's a lot of people that claim to have a, a little lowercase G gods." but it is you that have one who is near you. That, that, that one who is near us is Jesus Christ. The beauty and the brilliance of Scripture is that Moses is saying the exact same thing that Peter is saying. He says, what? what? By doing that which you have been instructed, by holding on to, by keeping, that will be your wisdom and understanding in the sight of the people's. Peter is saying what? Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. Gentiles is a reference to those who are unbelievers in this context. So that when they speak and they will speak evil against you, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of the visitation. They have visitation. Whenever you see that term as a day, it's associated with Redemption. And so what's being spoken about here, what is interesting here, is that this day is most likely a day that is referencing the day that those who once spoke against the Lord are actually going to what? Follow Him as Lord's. And one of the key testimonies that exists here is your faithfulness. Look at what happens in this text. God is glorified. Skeptics are silenced. And the gospel goes out and people come to Christ. The gospel goes out and people actually come to Christ through your faith and through the pursuit of holy living in your own life. Holy living is not for salvation, but it's a result of salvation. Holy living is not for you to appear righteous. But what? It's because God is righteous. And we hold on to that. You should be getting the theme here. All the way from verse 1, chapter 1 of 1 Peter. You're called out. You've been selected and set apart. You're striving towards holiness. You're recipients of God's glory. And there's more to professing a relationship. It's possessing a relationship. That simply means if you call out as one who desires to be obedient to Him, it's not just about what you say. It's not just about talking the talk. It's, it's, it's learning how to walk the walk. Which means that you're on, you're on one side or the other. You are either fanning the flames of the world's animosity. You're giving them fodder or you're putting the flames out. It's very obvious. You're either a branch that is producing fruit, or you're a branch that needs to be cut away. You're either a light that brightens, or you're not. You're either a salt that seasons, or you're not. My concern is that a lot of people feel that because they check off the to-do list, or they know some of the terminology, the verbiage, they're good to go. And that's not what we're seeing here. You are either hot or you are cold. Think of the setting that Peter is writing in. Two believers who have been going through an extremely difficult time, scattered. As a result, what? Stress fractures begin to appear. They they are getting worn and frustrated, and so he offers this amazing message of insights and encouragement to them. This is who you are. This is what you're called to do. This is why you do it so that your heavenly Father is glorified. And we understand as we learn to do this that we know that there is a insidious war that exists. But that, that war has been fought and won ultimately in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you, you walk in the power of the spirit that has been given to you to have victory. So that later on today, so that tomorrow morning when it pops up in front of your eyes, you are reminded what? I am to abstain. God, I need your help. I'm going to put on what? The armor of God's. I'm going to walk in the Spirit. I'm going to understand that we're moving through here, and as we are moving rapidly through here, God, my eyes are on you, and I want to glorify you. I'm trusting you to give me the strength to live a life that Jesus Christ is glorified in. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the truth of Scripture, and although at times it is so challenging, and there are portions portions of us that get chiseled off, God, I would ask that we would understand what exists. Satan lies constantly. You're doing okay. You can watch this. You can partake with this, participate in this. Father, as ones who desire to please you in all things, may we, may we understand the importance, may we understand the responsibility we have to be, to be torchbearers of the truth and to live holy lives for you. God, give us the strength in your spirit help us, Lord, to trust the work of the Lord Jesus Christ who ultimately gives the only victory possible. And we praise you for that. Bless this church. May you be glorified in it. Bless bless individuals that are struggling in areas that they are in war at right now. God, give them victory, not in and of themselves, but in and of you. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you, Tim. Would you stand with us as we uh, close in a song?